Welcome to Native America Calling, I'm Sean Spruce. It's a day to show your pet pride. A number of organizations and some dedicated individuals are working to improve pet care, especially in areas where dogs and cats are left to fend for themselves. There are even some res dog shows where people vote online for their favorite canine. It helps raise awareness for the importance of proper supervision for pets, which helps them live healthier lives and improves the environment for others. We're back after the news. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. President Joe Biden has designated the Bajnawajo, Ida, Kukvini ancestral footprints of the Grand Canyon National Monument. Biden signed a proclamation Tuesday during a visit to Arizona. In remarks at Red Butte, a sacred Havasupai site at the southern part of the monument, Biden called the action an honor to tribal nations and to protect sacred places, conserve public lands, and to protect wildlife and water. He reiterated his commitment to tribes. I made a commitment as president to prioritize respect for the tribal sovereignty and self-determination, to honor the solemn promises the United States made to tribal nations to fulfill federal trust and treaty obligations. I pledge to keep using all that available authority to protect sacred tribal lands. My administration has worked alongside tribal leaders, including many of you who are here today, to keep that promise. Biden says this marks the fifth new national monument he's created and will conserve nearly one million acres of greater Grand Canyon landscape. Secretary of the Interior Deb Holland and a number of tribal leaders were at the signing ceremony. Kodiak, Alaska's Alutic Museum is publishing a coffee table book that highlights contemporary Native art. As KMXT's Brian Venois reports, museum staff say the book will include more than 200 pieces and feature dozens of Indigenous artists. The Alutic Museum received a grant for nearly $150,000 from the Institute for Museum and Library Services to develop a book of modern Native art. Amy Steffian is the chief curator of the Alutic Museum. She says the goal is to show that Alutic tradition is a living culture expressed in many different ways. The book looks at the contemporary art collections from the Kodiak History Museum and the Alutic Museum. We're going to combine our collections to show artwork that's been made since about the mid-1980s. That's about when the heritage movement started, and that's when there's an explosion in contemporary art production. The hardcover book will have images of artifacts and feature essays about the art and biographies for artists. Museum staff plan for it to be a coffee table styled book and up to 300 pages thick. The book will feature artists from Kodiak and others with Alutic roots. She says it'll have photos of traditional pieces like baleen carvings and masks, as well as Western pieces made by indigenous artists. They're quite diverse. They range from everything from skin sewing and things like weaving and carvings to more Western art forms like oil painting, for example. Some of the grant funding will go towards a first printing of a thousand copies to be distributed around Kodiak for free. Steffian says the ultimate goal is to share the book with as many people as possible. Our partner over at the Kodiak History Museum will have a number of copies to share. We'll give them to tribes and corporations and schools. Um, we also then will have a number of copies available for free public distribution. People want to come into our um, museum and pick one up. 
Stefian says they'll likely print more copies to sell at their store after the first thousand are gone. The museum will also have an ebook on their website for the public to access for free. The grant gives the museum a deadline to complete the project within three years, with staff hope to publish it within the next two. In Kodiak, I'm Brian Benoit. The Native American Journalists Association is celebrating 40 years. The organization is hosting journalists this week in Canada. Among agenda items, members will vote on whether or not to change the organization's name to the Indigenous Journalists Association and hold a listening session for Two-Spirit LGBTQIA members and community. The conference begins Thursday in Winnipeg. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Support by the Colorado Plateau Foundation, supporting Native-led initiatives protecting plateau lands, waters, and cultures by building networks, community, and organizational capacity. Grant proposals accepted through September 2nd at coloradoplateaufoundation.org. Ready to start, manage, or grow your small business? The U.S. Small Business Administration can help with advice and resources. See what SBA can do for you. Go to sba.gov start. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. This is Native America Calling. The Shoshone Bannock tribes just wrapped up their best res dog contest. The competition has a long tradition in Fort Hall, Idaho. The winner gets a bag of dog food. We'll find out about this year's best res dog in a moment. The annual event in Fort Hall is one of several by animal advocates to encourage pride for pets with the hope of improving care for our furry friends. It dovetails with efforts to also manage stray dog populations. Today on our show, we'll get a snapshot of what folks are doing to improve care and safekeeping of dogs and other pets for their own benefit and the safety of the people around them. We also want to hear about you and your pets. Tell us about your community's relationship with dogs and other animals by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. You can also post a favorite picture of your res dog on our social media pages. I'm looking at our Facebook page right now for Native America Calling. We've got about 10 res dog photographs, so I encourage anybody listening, if you've got a picture you want to share, put it up on Facebook or Instagram, and, and we'll take a look. Let's go ahead and introduce our guests now. Joining us from Fort Hall, Idaho, is Tadrachelle Murray. She is the Recreation Manager for Fort Hall Department of Recreation. She is Shoshone Bannock. Tadrachelle, welcome to our show. Hi, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. In Shiprock, New Mexico, we have Chantel Wadsworth. She is a founder of the Res Roads Rescue. She is Navajo. Chantel, welcome to the show as well. Thank you, Sean. It's good to be here. And joining us from Warm Springs, Oregon, is Podsy Wolf Granillo. She is the Dog Lady of Warm Springs, and she's a member of the Klamath Tribes. Podsy, great to have you on the show, too. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. 
Absolutely. Well, tell us quickly, Dog Lady of Warm Springs, how'd you earn that title? Um, <laughs> pretty much years worth of, uh, many years worth of picking up many, many strays and helping out many families around Warm Springs. It just kind of stuck. All right. Well, we're definitely going to learn more about that. I'm going to go ahead and, and bring Tad Rochelle into our conversation first. And Tad Rochelle, you helped organize this best res dog contest in Fort Hall. When did that start? I'm sorry. What was that? I, I also have a Glen Recreation Program, and one of the kids asked me a question just as you did. I'm oh, so no worries. No worries. I just wanted to know, when did uh, the res dog contest in Fort Hall start? So... It's been well over 30 years. Our program actually got off the ground in 1968. And then I want to say in the late 70s is when they started this res dog contest. And basically during the summer, we have a program for kids, right? And with kids, when they walk here, when they get dropped off, a lot of times dogs would follow. Or you know how kids feed dogs food and whatever. We always had dogs hanging around. So that's kind of what started our Riz Dog Contest. Dogs were always hanging out at the gym called Timby Hall. It's the gym. We held a lot of basketball tournaments too, so we're kind of a staple in the community. But in mm -hmm. the summer, it's crawling with kids, and the Riz Dog Contest started in the late 70s. Well, it sounds like a lot of Native communities where there's a lot of dogs, and they're very involved, and they kind of hang out in certain parts of the community. Tell us more. I mean, what's the criteria for best res dog? I, I'd, I'd like to know what qualifies. So it actually varies from year to year. What we do is, and we get a lot of dogs out. Uh, there was over 60 dogs at this last contest, and they they range from tiny puppies to old old poodles to any kind of dog you can think of. We have, like, the Basset Hound German Shepherd mixes. We get all kinds of crazy things. So one year it was funny because somebody brought their pot belly pig and that actually <laughs> no it was funny that actually was the best friends dogs what we do is we go by crowd applause so basically we eliminate all the dogs will line up out there and according to crowd applause they pick the best res dog that year so this year smoky was our top res dog and he won last year as well he's like a pit bull mix smoky so he's a returning champ two-time winner pitbull mix tell us a little bit more about smoky he must have a lot of personality if he can win it two years in a row right yeah and his owner is just happy so he comes out and just kind of is happy he's like a pitbull right they're happy they look scary but once you get like petting them and talking to them they're it, it's it's really amazing because he knew some tricks they we even give him the option to showcase their dog so he can play fetch he can jump up to get food he can so he listened really well and i think the kids just picked their favorite dog and they together get hyped up and they're the ones that are screaming in the audience to help pick the red dog <laughs> now 60 entries is it just res dog uh, best res dog or are there other little categories here and there for like different breeds or anything like that or is it just one contest right. res dog only so we have actually, we go through a whole criteria. It's crazy that it's come this far. So we love it. We have the biggest res dog, the smallest res dog, the cutest res dog, the ugliest res dog, the smartest <laughs> res dog, and the best top overall res dog. And we do like certificates and each winner gets like a basket of stuff. So the top prize is a big giant bag of dog food and treats and a bowl and all kinds of stuff and the prizes go down from there so since we run a lot of basketball tournaments we kind of do first second third 
there. And then this year we actually had a cookie and a, like a jerky stick for every dog that was in attendance. So everybody got something fun just for being out there. But the, the owners get their name in the paper, a certificate, and bragging rights. Bragging rights, for sure. <laughs> and how many – about how many people come out? Because you said a crowd applause is, is what, what wins the contest. So about how many people show up? So anywhere from 100 to 150 people show up, and that's average. Sometimes we are packed and our bleachers are full. It just depends on the time of day that we do it and what's going on in the community. So this year we picked the time. We made the time back a little bit more so people could come, like, after lunch or on their lunch break. So we ended up with about 150 people in the audience sitting in the bleachers, and it's amazing because our location helps us out. We're down here by the Tribal Business Center, so a lot of the people can just come on lunch and check it out. And a lot of people, even like me, came as a kid. So it's funny, even if you don't have a res dog, to come and see what res dogs are out here. And it's just a good time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Shell, how would you define, because we hear that term so much, right? Res dog, res dog this, res dog. How would you define, like if somebody say, define res dog, what does that mean to you, res dog? Res dog. So to me, I feel like, have you ever had that dog that shows up on your porch? You didn't buy him or nothing, but he's there and he <laughs> yeah. never leaves. And they, they watch your back. They follow you everywhere. And you just kind of get adopted by this dog and you start taking care of him. And they end up being a staple in your home and in your life. And they protect your family. They, I feel like res dogs, and there's not really a type. I've seen chihuahuas. I've seen labs. I've seen purebred dogs get dumped out here. And someone ends up taking care of them and they just become a part of your family. And a lot of times I think in reservations, our family life is like our, our home. It's our structure. It's how we grow up, how we, who we become often is a lot by our family and our home. So uh, real deep, our dogs come in and they are part of that. And I think a lot of the times we don't have money to go buy a brand new dog, but they show up anyways. Right. They're kind of a staple. They really are a staple for kids and for adults because they're the companion we all need. They are. And I like what you say about how the dog adopts you, because that is so true, right? Like they just show up sometimes and then that's it. They just, they know who their owner needs to be sometimes. And well, tell us a little bit more about the stray dog situation there in Fort Hall. Tadrachelle, does it present challenges? So yes, it does. It's actually very sad. Just recently, we have a program that started this past year and it's, there's like new dog ordinances that are in effect and we have a, it's, it sounds so bad, a dog catcher, but that's what we call them, the dog catcher. We recently had to implement that because, unfortunately, in back this past winter, there was a really bad dog attack, and the person did not survive, and it was really heartbreaking and very sad. And it was non-members, so non-tribal members that were residing on the reservation, and they had the, an outrageous number of pit bulls. And mm-hmm. I, or, so it was really – or not pit bulls, it was Rottweilers. So that was really heartbreaking and sad. So from that – came like the community getting together and approaching our, you know, our business council and stuff like that to get things in order for us as a community to take care of our dogs. So there was more strict ordinances and people needed to keep their dogs in defenses or, you know, chain them up, even though that's sad, some people have to keep them leashed and good owners will take them off the leash and walk them. And the ones that are neglectful, unfortunately, very sad, the dogs stay chained up. But the guy, the dog catcher, who's come to the recreation center a few times, isn't like out there to murder all these dogs to kill these dogs. He basically picks them up and then goes, finds the owner and they discuss what's going on, how things can change. And he also came out to our rec center because one of our kids got bit by a stray dog this summer. 
to talk to us about dog safety and how not to pit every dog that comes, you know, up to you. So I feel like it's really taken off and it's so new that there's been so much growth and there's not as many stray dogs running around as there used to be. So they pick them up, they take them to the out, like our outreach, like the town surrounding us. So hopefully they can get adopted out or if they're sick, they get treatment. So it's kind of nice. Like it's a new thing that's been helpful. And there in Fort Hall, Tadrachelle, would you say most of the families have a dog or two? Oh, yeah. Most families have a dog or two, or there's one dog that's owned by a different family. <laughs> I know uh-huh. last summer there was a hound dog that would always go to everybody's house, and everybody kind of knew who he was. And it, and actually, she worked for me this year, and everybody knew. like They were like, oh, that's Bud. That's that's Rosie's dog, and he's at our house today. Or he would just come over, and he wasn't like unfriendly at all, but everybody kind of fed him and knew who he was. So when he was needed back home, she just had to put a post on Facebook out, say, hey, anybody seen my dog? And literally they would bring him home. And that's kind of cool. Like, I, I would say everybody around here has a dog. Oh, geez. <laughs> it's like so exciting. And uh, we're getting all these pictures on Facebook of people sharing uh, their dogs, their res dogs. Just a wonderful conversation. We're getting it started here. Tadrachelle Murray, she is the recreation manager for Fort Hall Department of Rec. And we are going to have to take a short break, but uh, anybody who wants to give us a call and talk a little bit about the res dog in your life or any of these issues with regards to pets, give us a call, 1-800-996-2848. Or again, engage with us on social media. We've got some great pictures online already, and I'm looking forward to some more. 1-800-996-2848. We'll be right back. Thousands of motorcycle enthusiasts are gathered in Sturgis, South Dakota for the well-known annual rally. Some riders are there as part of ongoing efforts to raise awareness for Native women's issues. We'll hear from women riders with a purpose on the next Native America Calling. My precious relatives, Give kids their best shot at a healthy school year. Make sure their vaccinations are up to date. Contact your local Indian health care provider for more information. Visit insurekidsnow.gov or call 1-800-318-2596. A message from the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services. Thank you for listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. We are talking about res dogs today, and we might even entertain some shout-outs for cats on today's show. Every topic from contests to spay and neuter clinics. Join our conversation at 1-800-996-2848. That's also 1-800-99-NATIVE. Also, post a favorite picture of your res dog on our Facebook or Instagram pages, And I'm just taking a quick glance at our NAC Facebook page right now. And we've got some beautiful pictures here. Atsan shares pictures of Lucy and Bob. We've got Misty, who's got a photo of Charlie Bombastic. Uh, Forrester shares a picture of Nacho. And Misty also shares a picture of Myla Malarkey. Kevin has a picture of Taj Mahal on here. And also a picture of Ruby and Nimi. 
we've got all kinds of pictures. Oh, and Janine has a picture or is sharing the name Cricket on on our Facebook page too. So anyone else, we've got plenty of time here to give a shout out to your dog or your pet on our show today. Just put a picture up on Native America Calling's Facebook page. And with that, I want to bring our next guest into the conversation now, Chantel Wadsworth, who is the founder of the Res Roads Rescue there in Shiprock, New Mexico. And Chantel, tell us a little bit more about Res Roads Rescue and what inspired you to open an animal shelter in Shiprock. Hi, Sean. Um, yes, so Res Roads Rescue was started by my partner and I, uh, Vernon Key. Um, after we moved back to the reservation, we had lived in San Diego for a few years, and um, we decided to travel in our van um, on the Navajo Nation um, just to explore more of our homeland. And um, basically, while we were traveling, we've seen so many abandoned dogs, you know, all everywhere on the Navajo Reservation. Um, it's really hard to miss because they're basically everywhere on the side of the road, gas stations, um, um, so seeing that there are so many dogs that are in need of help and we own dogs on our own, we, you know, we care very much about them. Um, so we decided to do something. We wanted to help these dogs that basically were homeless. No one was taking care of them. <clears throat> and sometimes they're on busy roads, you know, they might get hurt, hit by a car. Um, so we took it upon ourselves to see what we could do. Um, so we contacted uh, rescues in our area, and we basically found out that most of the dog rescues on the Navajo Nation are all located out of state. So there's not really a like locally Navajo-based rescue um, that you could quickly go to for help. Um, all of these rescues are coming from out of state, and they come onto the reservation for like a weekend. They pick up dogs, um, you know, uh, visit families that are surrendering their dogs. Um, so that was something that we found out. And <laughs> we, we really wanted um, some local help. So that's when we stepped up and we started learning about dog rescue and what you need to do. And, um, and fostering is the, the main thing that you can do to help because, you know, the, um, if you want assistance with dogs, it's not something that can be done quickly um, just because most of the rescues are out of state. So um, we have our own um, home site here in Shiprock. So we basically just started putting up outdoor kennels and we started bringing these dogs off the streets um, no longer wanted and we started fostering them on, on our own. Um, so we've grown to the, um, we've grown to where we are able to foster up to 35 dogs just on our property. Um, so we have outdoor kennels, we fundraise to get a storage shed, and that's where we place the younger puppies because they're not, they don't do so well in the elements when they're that young. So they have a nice air-conditioned, you know, bug-free environment that they're able to be safe and, and healthy while we wait for them to go to another rescue where they can be adopted. Um, so that's basically how we started. And um, another thing that we do is we also take in medical um, puppies, because uh, one thing that hits the reservation are um, things like parvo, you know, tick-borne diseases, because there's a lot of ticks out here. Dogs get sick from it. Um, so we actually take in medical dogs. We dedicated an entire room in our home just for medical puppies. So we help them get over parvo. You know, we help them recover from these tick-borne illnesses, you know, maybe injuries, bites, anything like that. We basically take care of them until they are healthy again. Um, so not only do we help our community in that way with 
rescuing dogs and puppies, um, but we also wanted to give back to the community. So we mm -hmm. help families with dog food. Um, we have a program called Shelter a Res Dog where we give, we build and give dog houses to dogs that don't have any shelter. Um, you know, their shelter is really worn out. <laughs> it's kind of just like <laughs> a bunch of wooden boards put together. Um, so we help sure. families in that way. You know, people go through hard times here. So we want to at least um, give them food and shelter for their dogs. Um, we also help with spay and neuter. Um, we have a transport service where we go and when we meet these families, you know, they tell them, they tell us that they need help with spay and neuter. So we go out and find appointments for them. And then we actually pick up their dog, take them to the spay and neuter, um, get them all fixed, and then we return them to their families. And sometimes um, they don't have funds to cover these um, spay and neuter surgeries, so we actually pay for their cost as well. Oh, you um, do? Just because, I'm sorry? You do. You're able to pay for that. That's, that's wonderful. Um, yeah. I mean, there's just so many working parts here. The, the Res Dog Rescue, Chantel, I mean, you folks are just doing so much to support the, the local pet population. And I, the Navajo Nation, it's such a, such a large uh, area of land. How far do you travel? Um, we, yeah, it's so wide and spacious. So we're traveling up to three hours one way just to get dogs spayed and neutered. And it's only because um, there's not like a central location that you can go to in a community where they do spay and neuter services. So there's actually these nonprofits that come to the reservation and they offer these spay and neuter clinics um, in different communities. So sometimes it's not really um, feasible for a family to travel three hours, you know, because that's the only place that the clinic is happening um, to get their dogs fixed. So we are literally traveling three three hours one way just to get some dogs fixed, and then we we wait there for them, and then when they're done, we we travel all the way back home and and we drop these dogs off. Mm. Now currently, you have the capacity to hold thirty five dogs on the property. Is that enough? Are you looking to expand in the future? Oh yes, we would love to expand. Just because thirty five dogs may not seem enough, but we're basically full like all the time because. Uh, it's just like a never-ending wait list of dogs that need help and that don't have homes that are being surrendered from their families, you know, due to all kinds of situations. Um, but we try to get other families to foster. Um, so at least we have other outlets for dogs and cats to go to if we are full on our property. And Chantel, what does a typical workday look like for you there at the Res Dog Rescue? Um, well, um, my partner and I, we 100% volunteer um, all of our work to rescue. We actually have full-time jobs. So um, <laughs> we're basically up like at 5 in the morning. We feed all the dogs that are outside, you know, before it gets too hot, before we have to start our work day. And then during lunch, it's basically feeding again, checking on everybody. And then after work, we are, again, just, <laughs> you know, walking the dogs, checking everybody again. And then also meeting families for dog food, you know, going out if um, uh, a dog is on the road, you know, they can't get them. We go out there and we trap them as well. So sometimes, you know, dogs can be scared because they've been dumped and they're scared of these new places. They're scared of the busy road. So sometimes they need to be trapped. Um, just yesterday, actually, um, we spent the whole day, we went to Durango, Colorado, and we took in uh, five dogs to go get spayed and neutered there. 
So it really varies just depending on, you know, what is needed for the day. We're, but we're basically busy every week, all weekend, just for dog rescue. But we're so happy to do the work because it helps so much. Chantel, this is amazing in the way you're able to still hold down a full-time job. Do you have anybody that helps you with any of these activities? Um, yes. Well, we have um, my family that really do come and help. I mean, they're here uh, during the weekend. They'll go and clean our kennels for us. They'll do all of our foster laundry. I mean, my own mom helps transport puppies, like when they're ready to go to a rescue She'll drive them to go meet transport. I mean, my family is a huge help in in doing this dog rescue things. And then we have a couple of other volunteers that just want to help um, because, you know, they realize that this work is very important and they want to do their part as well. And Chantel, have you always been an animal lover? Um, actually, you know, growing up, we I, I've only had sheep dogs and, you know, their main job was sheep. So it, was, it wasn't anything like I you know, play with them, connected with them because they had a job to do. So I actually barely got my first dog when I was probably about 23 years old. I was, I finally got my first dog. (laughs) (laughs) So I didn't really grow up with dogs or anything like that. But once I got that first dog, gosh, I totally fell in love and been an animal lover since then. Yeah, yeah. Well, you talked about ticks and, and illnesses like parvo any tips uh, any suggestions for for how folks can take really good care of their animals and their pets yes um so there um for the ticks i mean it's really important for them especially during the summer when it's very high to get some kind of tick prevention for your dogs um you know they have the tick collars um, they also have these tick pills which work the best and sometimes the protection can last up to three months. And it's basically, I mean, it protects your dog for that entire three months. And then also just like um, if, you know, people can't get tick collars or the tick pills, even just um, like tick shampoo and giving your dog, a, you know, a, a bath once a month with the tick shampoo to get these ticks off. But, you know, you, you, you must do something about the ticks because if they continue to stay on your dog, that's when they... Um, get very sick and it's a lot more money for them to go to the vet and recover rather than being preventive about it so you know your dogs don't get sick in the first place. And Chantel what do you say to people who who don't want to have their pets spayed or neutered? Is it okay if they want to make that decision? Yes and we've run into families that they just don't believe in getting their dogs spayed and neutered um, and, you know, we respect their choices. Um, but this, the other part that we tell them is if you don't want to spay near your dogs, you know, you have to be able to some way um, make sure that you get your dogs checked, you know, especially if it's a female dog and they have multiple litters. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of illnesses that they can get from having multiple litters and also their offspring. I mean, you have to be able to provide, you know, the puppies with safe homes whenever the, the female has the puppies. Um, so there's a lot of work behind if you do not want to get your dogs fixed. Um, and then also, you know, for male dogs, if you don't get them fixed, sometimes they're a lot more hyper. They roam because they're trying to get to other females. So a lot of that is like containing them. Make sure you're watching your dogs. You're not just letting them roam free because they are unaltered. 
Um, so we just tell families, you know, you have to be able to take care of the litters and find them good homes every time it happens because it will happen. You will continue to have multiple litters of puppies and, you know, they really deserve, you know, a chance to have a happy home if that's what they choose. Chantel, I, I always think it's interesting because when I, the, uh, like my parents and my grandparents' generation, they were always very adamant that dogs stay outside. And, and I can remember them saying, look, we love our animals, we love our pets, but they stay outside. Dogs do not come in the house. And now I'm one of these dog lovers. You know, we have a little dog and she's in the house all the time. And I think a lot of other people are too. And I, I think it's interesting how we, we, we've kind of changed some of those perspectives. But what about folks that have dogs in the house? Uh, what types of special precautions do they need to take as opposed to people whose dogs are always outside? Um, so for pets that are inside, I mean, that's really great when families um, do that just because, you know, they invite them into their home. Um, I feel like they have a closer connection with their dogs just because they're with them inside and outside. Um, but really, um, the one thing that I hear for when pets are inside is, oh, you know, they bring the ticks inside our house and that's what we don't like. Or, um, you know, sometimes they have accidents inside our house and things like that. So, again, I always push the tick prevention. You know, these are the kind of, um, these are the tick options that you have so that you're not getting the ticks inside the house. And also, like, the accidents. Um, you know, dogs, they're going to have accidents if they're not, um, if they don't have a way to go outside, you know, to relieve themselves. So I always let them know multiple times a day, you're going to have to take your dogs out so they, you know, do their business and then they come back inside. And generally dogs will learn that. They'll learn that, okay, I do my business outside, you know, and I just have to um, <clears throat> let my owner know when that, when that needs to happen. Um, so there is a lot of training that needs to happen if you bring your dogs inside the house. Um, but, you know, once you get a routine down with your dog, they, they learn that, they catch on to it. So it generally um, creates just a better bond with your dog if you're able to disconnect them and, and you know, uh, relate to them and, and make sure that, you know, you understand when your dog needs, needs something. Listeners, if you have a question or a comment for today's show, if uh, you have um, some ideas for how to take care of dogs, or maybe you have a question for how to take care of your dog, give us a call 1-800-996-2848. We've got people on the show today who can answer your questions and provide good feedback with regard to taking care of your dog. And with that, I'd like to bring Podsy into our conversation now. Podsy is the dog lady of Warm Springs. And Podsy, I know you're working on controlling the stray population there in Warm Springs. Are you folks making a lot of progress? Um, yes, pretty much. Um, there's really honestly next to no strays almost in Warm Springs. It's just people's regular companions mainly that just know how to look both ways before crossing the street and know how to get home or... Um, that's just about it. I mean, mainly it's been handled over the long amount of years when it all began and started. When it, when it, in the very beginning, when it very started, it used to just be a Nancy Collins, and she was that used to work for the Warm Springs Clinic. And uh, when I first met her, when I, she was the first lady ever when I met when I came to Warm Springs, that was the one only person that they had available to help pick up strays and unwanted animals and transport them to which she introduced me later on in life was uh, Jerry Didron who owned Three Rivers Humane Society and pretty much that was um, how it all began for me was meeting those two 
wonderful women. Well, Posse, we're going to talk more about uh, the work you do up in Warm Springs, and uh, we do have to take a short break, but I encourage listeners, call in with questions and comments, 1-800-996-2848, or engage with us on social media. We've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, and uh, we're looking forward to more photos and more shout-outs about the animals, the pets, the dogs in your life. And of course, cats too. Go ahead and put a picture of a cat up on Facebook. We're not going to be that way here on Native America Calling. We love all of your pets. So uh, I think one person even put a photo of a bird there on our Facebook page. So I encourage anybody else, post, post, engage, put a picture up there. Native America Calling, Facebook, Instagram. Also, we've got the website, NativeAmericaCalling.com. Or just call us and uh, tell us a little bit more about the animal that you love, the dog in your life, or the cat. 1-800-996-2848. We do have to take this one more break, and we'll be back with Podsy and more conversation right after this. Program support by the Colorado Plateau Foundation, a native-led foundation supporting native-led initiatives protecting the lands, waters, and cultures of the plateau for generations to come. The Colorado Plateau Foundation helps to build networks, community, and organizational capacity. The Colorado Plateau Foundation is accepting grant proposals through September 2nd. Eligibility information is available at coloradoplateaufoundation.org. You're listening to Native America Calling. I'm Sean Spruce. Still time to join this conversation about res dog care. Join us by calling 1-800-996-2848. That's 1-800-996-2848. And I'm looking at our Facebook page now here at Native America Calling. And we've got some more photos. Kathy has shared pictures of her res dogs, Zoe and Ichi. Thank you, Kathy, for putting those pictures up there. And Dan has a picture of Mukwa, which means bear in Ojibwe, Matagi, hunting dog in Japanese. He's got a, an Akita mix, res dog. And Aaron shares a picture of Yeti bear. So three more photos here on our Facebook page, and we're looking forward to some more pictures here before the show wraps up. And we've got Podsy Wolf Granillo on the line right now, the dog lady of Warm Springs, talking about the animal rescue work she does. And Podsy, how do you find people who are willing to take on the pets that you rescue? Um, pretty much using my social media, social media page and uh, social media network to network them around. And when you first started, I understand it was just you for a while, right? You were the, the sole person oh, going out and doing all this work? Mainly, yes. It was pretty much who I brought them to when it all first began was Nancy Collins. And I overswamped her and overwhelmed her to the point to where she was, you know, I got to introduce you to Jerry Dindred, and she introduced me to her, the lady of the shelter who owned it, and she's an angel. She was, um, sadly, she's passed away of cancer, but... Um, that she was the woman who pretty much inspired me to do what I do today. And, and it was pretty much as much as I can catch, as much as I can help and bring in, was I, I did it as much as I could as often as I could. So pretty much even they were full and overswamped. <laughs> and Podsy, rescuing stray dogs, is this a skill that anybody can take on, or did you have some knowledge about how to do this when you started? No, it would, I don't know. It, it honestly came to me pretty natural. 
Um, I do it all by hand when they're shy or tired or skimming, you know, they're scared. And I, I never had a traps. I've never had one to be able to use. I've asked for help and nobody would actually bring me one. So um, I just realized, you know, I got to do it right then and there on the spot. So I would catch them all by hand. I've by done hand. it for, yep, all for, for many years. I've done it all by hand. And ones that are too, you know, timid or scared to catch or come to me, I just nab them up and catch them by hand. And it does take very skilled, very skilled hands. And I have gotten hurt. I have gotten bit and damaged, but it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All it right. It just takes them a while to deescalate and calm down. And once they do, they make amazing, amazing animals. Wow. Podsy, we've got a caller on the line, and I think you're going to recognize this. I know you're going to recognize this person. Sonny Sage, listening online in Arkansas. Hello, Sonny. Hello. I'd like to give a big shout-out to Podsy and the work she does. We love you. Absolutely. And, Sonny, please tell us your connection to Podsy. Uh, I have a res dog. She rescued from a snow cave as a puppy. His name is Half Step. He's missing half his back foot. And she brought him all the way from Warm Springs all the way to Pocatello, Idaho, and gave him to me on New Year's Day. And wow. Half Step's been my best friend ever since. Oh, geez, Sonny. Wow, Sonny, this is wonderful. Podsy. Feel free to respond to Sonny. It's because of you that uh, he has this, this dog that he loves so much. Yes, um, Half Step, he is one of my biggest inspirational boys. He's one of the ones I keep right up there on my top list out of all the thousands of dogs I've helped out with, I keep close eye on. He's really sweet and dear to the heart to everybody. That was Sunny Sage in Arkansas listening online. Let's go to another caller. We have Owen in Wallala, California listening on KGUA. Hello, Owen. Oh, and I understand you have a rescue dog. Yes, we have a rescue dog named Buddy. He's super cute, and he's actually a black lab, and he's super goofy. <laughs> a black lab. And how did you get your dog Buddy, right? Yeah, well, when, uh, when I was 11, four days before my birthday, sadly, my old dog had passed away, and my uncle was really... He was sad, so he went and go bury and buried my other dog. And when he was going back, he saw this black lab in the newspaper, and he went to go pick it up from the adoption center. And he um, he had he remembered that when he called Bo, our old dog, who passed away. Uh, the first day, first first thing he called him is, "Hey, buddy." So he decided to name our new dog that. Oh, that's a sweet story, Owen. Really appreciate you sharing that here on Native America Calling today. Podsy, what is it about about dogs and human? I mean, you hear, you know, all the dog, you know, person's best friend and all that. But but what's really driving that bond between humans and dogs? Because it's just so so powerful. Um, it's truly the unconditional, I believe, love that they give. It's, it's, it's something that not everybody gives you in the world today. It's, it's the, the, that unconditional bond and loyalty that you get from them that not everybody gets from everywhere. 
I clearly think that it's their, their it's their sweet spirited lowly heart to their family and the ones that they love. Mm-hmm. How many dogs do you have, Podsy? Currently, right now, I have seven. <laughs> That's the lowest <laughs> I've ever had. <laughs> the lowest? What's the most you've ever had? Um, I've had probably almost up to 80 in one day, but <laughs> that's all my maxed in the past, like in the far past, I would have an extreme abundant amount that come in and go on the daily and I'd have to get them transported and help out with things. I had, like I said, I had Nancy and I had Daryl Lee and I had a whole crew back then behind me and re- they would help with getting them sent to Central Oregon Humane Society and the other one she owned in Ladau and then getting them all to places to get them, you know, spayed, neutered in the comfy homes. Because, it, like, back then, like I said, it was solely over-swamped. But um, now it has extremely died down thanks to all the nonprofit programs that came through and helped out with spaying and neutering and helping getting some of them shipped out into other programs. Pazzi, do you think there's more awareness now of, of just taking good care of pets and, and making sure, you know, we, listening to Chantel talk about, illnesses and, and, and issues like that that can arise? And, and do you see overall a trend of maybe people taking better care of, of their animals and pets now than maybe in the years past? I think due to the long period of time of a lot of volunteers and nonprofit programs and good-hearted willed people stepping in and doing this over a long amount of time, it has changed tremendously. For Warm Springs, it has changed tremendously a lot from Nancy Collins to Jerry Lee and Ben Spay and Neuter coming out when it all began, I think that thanks to them that it is tremendously a lot better for Warm Springs. And Podsy, for other tribes who are struggling with a stray dog population challenges, what do you suggest? What, what can they do uh, to address that issue? Um, if you have people that like are running that come out any any sort of nonprofit goal, like they said, um, there's a lot of different nonprofit programs that diff- that are different that come out to different reservations in different areas. And I say, you know, reach out to them if you can. Like Warm Springs, they have things for Fido, and they're doing an amazing, tremendous good job, and it's gotten a whole lot better, like I said, over the years. And Thanks to that, um, we have really next to no strays. We have really next to no a lot of unwanted amounts of litters and packs of dogs roaming like we used to years back. Um, it has got tremendously, amazingly a lot better now that we've had uh, the recent also new span litter clinics that have came out. Um, and Central Oregon Humane Society has been stepping in as well and helping taking some. And Chantel, how about you? What can tribes do to better manage their stray dog populations? Well, I think uh, what's really key in uh, managing stray dogs is having some kind of outlet um, to bring your dogs if you need to surrender them. So here on the Navajo Nation, we have animal control shelters. Um, We have about four of them um, that families can go to surrender their dogs. And, And it's just better... Um, for them to surrender there rather than dumping their dog, you know, on the side of the road or in the middle of nowhere where they're not being found. So I think just an outlet um, for people to go and surrender their dogs is um, is very key. And most of our shelters here, they work with rescues. So when the dogs are um, surrendered, they will actually give a call out to rescues to see if they'll be able to take the dogs. Mm. Good information. 
Podzi, um, what what do you do when you're in a situation and you know that that a pet is being abused or, or not being taken care of? Do you intercede at all? What's the process? Um, I have interceded. I have um, tried my best to offer either assistance or help or even, in some cases, bribery. Bribery. <laughs> I have bribed them. <laughs> what is, how <laughs> does that work? many times with how cash. Do... It's like if all fails, just bribe them with cash. <laughs> And I have really? done that, and sometimes it don't work, and sadly, when that don't work, you have no choice but to stand afar, and honestly, you can't really do anything but feel helpless. Oh, jeez. Now, how do you recruit other people to take in the street? I know you mentioned you use a lot of social media, and is that enough, or do you ever have to kind of go out there and just knock on doors, too, and, and ask people to take on some of these animals? Podzi, are you there? Hold on. Oh, sorry. I thought you was asking her a question. Oh, no. I was asking you, because what are some other efforts you can do to recruit more people to take in strays? Um, like she was mentioning earlier, um, fostering is key for all people and for all organizations and for all rescuers. The hardest thing lately is finding homes and other people that can be able to open up their homes to foster babies. And about how long does it usually take you, Podsy, to, to match a, a dog with a home? Um, usually I end up not really needing a foster. I end up finding a home quicker than I find a foster. <laughs> oh, you do? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I usually end up finding a doctor quicker than I find a foster. <laughs> uh, what do you like most about what you do, Podsy? What's the most rewarding moment? The most rewarding moment is... Um, getting to give them a better chance in life and getting to see how they get to grow in their new home and getting updates and seeing how well they've done since I've seen them. I've had many families adopt and max out at their family, maximum of five dogs and come back generations later after their dogs passed away just to get another reservation dog. Mm -hmm. Chantel, and, how about you? What, what do you love most about your work? Um, I think really is just giving dogs a second chance. Um, because I really feel like they deserve that. Most of the dogs that we come upon are wonderful, smart, loving dogs, and they just really needed that chance, you know, to, to impress a family or, or get another family to where they can be loyal and loving to these families and have, um, you know, a great long life um, the short time that they are here. So that is, just like Posse said, just being able to give them that second chance and give them loving homes, um, that's really the best part of it all. Chantel, what's the most difficult case you've had to work on? Oh, the most difficult is probably Parvo, um, only because it is, it, it's, it's everywhere. Um, we've gotten so many Parvo puppies that have come in, and it's really, it's, it's kind of like there's not a percentage that you can put on it. Their bodies are willing to fight or they're not. Um, so most of the time when we lose a puppy to Parvo, it's, it's really hard. I mean, every single time. And we fight so hard to try to help them recover and give as much medication as we need, but it's really up to their bodies. So um, Parvo is, is just a tough loss to go through every single time. I can relate to I, I once had a, a, a young puppy and it, it came down with Parvo. It made it through, but yeah, it was really, really sick. And maybe for some of our listeners who might not understand Parvo, can you explain a little bit more about what that illness is? 
Yes, so parvo is mainly susceptible to puppies, especially if your puppy is not vaccinated, and you should start vaccinations as early as six weeks of age. Um, the general standard now is actually four weeks, um, but if you can start at six weeks, get those vaccinations in because they build that immunity. Um, but for puppies that are not vaccinated, they're very young, they can easily catch parvo, and parvo is highly contagious. So once one litter in the puppy gets it, you know, guarantee that the whole litter is going to get parvo. Um, but parvo really takes down a puppy's immunity, so they um, or immune system. So they start being very lethargic. They stop eating. Sometimes they stop drinking. You know, they get very bad diarrhea, bloody stools as well. So their their body is basically shutting down. And if you don't get them treatment right away. Um, <clears throat> then they basically, they, they don't survive. And it's really crucial to make sure that you're watching your puppy, make sure they eat, make sure they drink water, because once they do start not eating, they you see like they're not as playful, you should try to get them into a vet or get them seen as soon as possible, because the sooner the treatment is started, the more likely they are to survive. We're going to have to wrap up the show here in about another minute. Chantel, where can our listeners go to find out more about Res Roads Rescue? Um, so we have a Facebook and Instagram page right now, and you can go ahead and follow us. And we always share our stories on the fosters that we bring in, and we we post stories as well just in our day-to-day um, routines. And Podsy, how about you? Where can our listeners go to learn more about your rescue work? You can go straight on to Facebook and look up our Facebook page or group and just click join or follow. Join or follow. Well, This has been a really, really fun conversation. I've enjoyed talking with all of our guests and our callers, too, and really appreciate everybody who posted on Facebook their photos uh, with their animals, with their pets. We do have to wrap it up now, but before we do, shout out and a thank you to Tadrachelle Murray, Chantel Wadsworth, and Podsy Wolf Granillo for what's been a really moving conversation on res dogs and the people who love them. And don't forget to spend a few minutes today playing with that lovable res dog in your life. Join us tomorrow as we talk with Native women who turn their enthusiasm for motorcycles into a way to raise awareness for a cause. Thank you for listening. Did you know that there could be a silent killer inside your home? You may know it, carbon monoxide. It's a poisonous gas that can't be seen or smelled, yet it can kill a family in a matter of minutes. You can protect yours by installing carbon monoxide alarms throughout your home. Find more on the dangers of carbon monoxide and additional safety information at cpsc.gov. Support by the U.S. Consumer Product Safety Commission. Support provided by Amerind. Amerind is 100% tribally owned and partners with tribes and their businesses to provide affordable commercial insurance coverage, protect tribal sovereignty, and strengthen Native American communities by helping to keep dollars in Indian country. Information about property, liability, commercial auto, and workers' comp available at amerind.com. That's A-M-E-R-I-N-D.com. Native America Calling is produced in the Annenberg National Native Voice Studios in Albuquerque, New Mexico by Kwanak Broadcast Corporation, a native nonprofit media organization. 
Funding is provided by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with support from the Public Radio Satellite Service. Music is by Brent Michael Davids. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.